boy, I'm glad we could uh, get sponsored to do something like this. This is pretty exciting. This is going to be good exposure for us. I'm excited. Like, I can't even believe that this biplane company decided to let it, like, they paid for us to get our pilot's license. I'm so fucking excited to see Maine from a bird's eye view. It's nuts. Okay, so we got our camera equipment here. We got to take a couple good shots from overhead. Um, sure. Extra fuel, got some parachutes, probably won't need those, but still. Okay. Okay, I got... Jackson? Yeah? What's that bag? That is our supplies for the trip. It's a little large, but everything's kind of essential. Okay, I... We've been... We've, I've seen this film before. Um, what's... What's inside it? Oh, you know, like extra pair of goggles, you know? We got these little, uh, little, you know... Okay leather caps and goggles. I want to make sure we have some spares there. Sure. Uh, more tarp. Uh, I Well, this plane came with the tarp. I didn't know where to put it, so I'm just putting it in this bag. Um, and then I didn't know if we were going to get hungry at all, but I did bring some snacks, so that makes sense. I brought Jackson, a, is, I brought a first aid kit. I also see that as part of the snacks, uh -huh. you have a six-pack of Smirnoff ice. Oh yeah, I got a six, but one of us isn't going to be piloting the whole time, so. I think, I think we might have too much. Um, uh, no, I think it's good. I think it's good. This is, this is fine. We can keep no, this. No, you need to, you need to. What? What? Something. Something has to go. No, no. I, everything's essential. What, what, what it all could possibly leave. I mean, I got a couple books here. I've got about 30 different books in here. I just, these are just the books I carry around, Okay. It's not a big deal. Some of them are hardcover, big whoop. You know, I just don't know what to decide. I don't know what to read until I like have all the options in front of me. Um, then, uh, you know what? I'm going. You're staying. I'm not doing this. What? What? No. Who's gonna take all the pictures and drink all the Smirnoff? I'm feeling it. Let's do it. Moose crossings, red hot dogs, missing persons in salty bogs, up to camp with Stephen King, river curses, Wesley sings, homegrown horror! Hello. Hello. Welcome to homegrown horror. It is not even 10 a.m. and you already have a modello. I've been up since 4.30. Get off my okay, back. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, and then I'm also very dehydrated because last night we went to Applebee's and I got two shark bowls because they're delicious and they gave me extra shark gummies. <laughs> Tasty little shark gummies. So you're feeling a little feeling a little hungover for this morning? I've never actually had like a full-blown hangover. I just usually feel like lethargic and very thirsty. Oh, man. I've, I've um, as I've gotten older, my hangovers are worse. So it's like, I mean, I only yeah. had two shark bowls, so it wasn't that much. It was enough, like it was enough to like keep me be. I was very chatty on the way home yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, Allegra can tell you she was like, it just sort of like because I'm a Gemini and I'm a chatty anyway. But it just sort of like gets rid of any inhibitions. I yeah, exactly. Left. Yeah, well, you didn't have any to begin with. You kind of just speak no, your I mind. Do. <laughs> you speak your mind. Jackson, there are plenty of things that I decide not to say. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's the th if people saw inside of my brain, they would be like, "Are you okay?" That's why I'm in therapy, so it's fine. Uh, I am the co-host. <laughs> this is the second time we forgot to introduce ourselves. I am Jackson, a co-host. This is the main uh the main <laughs> true crime podcast. 
a main true crime podcast. podcast. With uh, spooky stuff, including but not limited to murders, disappearances, other true crimes, including gangs and other, you know, fun things that I want to cover eventually. Fires. Fires. Haunted locations. And um, today... Maybe... Planes. Maybe planes. (laughs) Maybe planes. Maybe planes. Right, this is speculative. It's a little speculative, yeah. Um, maybe planes, but it's also an interesting story nonetheless. I'm, t- I'm sort of like this is sort of like my Al Brady moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> where Maine comes in in like the fourth quarter sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited. It's very, it's very interesting. I had a really fun time um, researching it, and also. I'm very busy, so I've been trying to keep it mostly lighthearted <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's very difficult to research. It's, it's also takes a little bit longer to make, like, when you're talking about someone who has disappeared or who has been murdered because I take a lot of care in how I word things. and it's, I'm a lot more detailed and obsessive about how I present that sort of thing. So now yeah. is not the time. <laughs> You know, I was looking through and I'm like, oh, I want, no, that's going to, no, 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 take, take too long. Another day, another day, another day, another episode. And, you know, it's, uh, so today's going to be a fun one. But it's yeah. It's going to be fun, yeah. This is our second episode today. We talked about what we did this past week. Mm-hmm. So instead of just kind of trying to figure out other things we did. How about I wanted to ask, what are you looking forward to in the in the immediate future? What is happening in the immediate future? I feel like I've upset you. No. <laughs> yeah, I just put my pushed my glasses up. She's like um, rubbing the sides of her head. <laughs> uh, head and face. Head and face. Oh my god. Oh, I don't really know. Should I cut this? No, it's fine. No, it's totally fine. Um, I, cause one of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm like scouring Airbnb so that way, like the weekend the show goes up, we'll go see the show on, in Freeport on Friday Yeah. of the 20, the 29th. And then I was like, oh, let's like get an Airbnb or something and then just spend the weekend away. Cause it's yeah. also like Earth birthday weekend. And I just want a hot tub. And nowhere has hot tubs. <laughs> I just want a hot tub so badly. And I can't find one, so I am still I, on the hunt for that. Well, I got a question for you. How mm-hmm. do you feel about, uh, aside from hot tubs, how do you feel about like a location that kind of has something similar? Like, I think there's bathhouses that have now opened up again. Yeah, there are baths. Yes, yeah. there's the wash. Well, here in Portland, we have the Washington baths. And then I also did find out. I think it's next weekend. There is going to be a mobile sauna. At one of the oyster farms in Daramascata. So I might scoop my butt up there. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. That yeah. is truly fascinating. I kind of want to check it out. Yeah, it's just right now there's it's very busy. I mean, we do have some, like, in the immediate future, there's just not a whole lot happening. Like, Allegra's birthday's happening, and I haven't even figured out what to do for her birthday. I figured out your gifts for your birthday, but what? not for my wife. Not your wife? <laughs> no, I've been at, you know, she and I have been talking. It's just sort of like, she's like, I don't know what I want. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to get you. 
So we're sort of at a standstill with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, normally, I like last year, what I did was I bought her 14 gifts. And then I took one I took um one of the the suits like I took two different suits from the tar- like one of our tarot decks uh-huh. and so they're and they're so people who are unfamiliar with tarot decks they're kind of set up a little bit like playing cards in the sense where like so there's the suit of wands which goes from one it's one to ten. And then you have a page, a knight, a king, and a queen. So I took two different suits and I corresponded the gifts. Like I I put a card (laughs) on each of the gifts and then I shuffled the deck of the other suit. And I was like, okay, we're just going to let the cards decide how the order in which you're going to open these. That's so fun. So yeah, I and I last year I started purchasing stuff in February. Oh my god! And I used the I just the guest room was yeah. off limits yeah. for like three whole months. Just gifts in there. Yep. That's fucking and awesome. And yeah, I am an aggressive gift giver. I am an aggressive gift giver. I thought you were about to say simp. <laughs> I am a simp. God, I am a simp. You don't even know. I mean, you you kind of see, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I, I'm also one. I. Uh... <sighs> I mean, I ordered another gift for Emily, even like after her birthday. So like, exactly, yeah, it's like, you get it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I I have to get on that. I just don't know what to do. She's got to like, because like she she has you know she's been collecting lots of plant books, but mm-hmm. she's in the middle of reading like four of them, and she's like, I'm overwhelmed. So I'm like, okay, no books. We own a lot of mugs, so I'm like, maybe not mugs. Um. I don't know. I'm it's hard. thinking. It's hard. Yeah, Ooh, last year's gifts. Last year's gifts ranged from I got her like these really they're they're really pretty incense, but they're shaped like leaves, and you burn them. Ooh. So I got those. I got like uh, strawberry Kit Kats. Oh, we yeah, got those. those. We got yeah. those in like a snack box, and those are really good. I got her some really no. Was it that year? I've gotten her some really fancy matches in the past. Uh, like I the giant her... ones you have? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are cool. I also got her th- our seasoning salt set from Ooh, nice. Momofuku. <laughs> I like doing like a, 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 a menagerie of gifts because one is just never enough. <laughs> I get you. Yeah, you want to, you're a gift giver. That's your love language. You it know? is. I like You're a planner, you're a gift giver. Uh, I get it. Um, I'm a gift giver too. And it's kind of funny cause Emily just likes touch. So it's like, I'll just ply her with stuff and say, okay, you're happy now. And then I'll, and like, she's like, no, no love me. Love me. <laughs> like, isn't this enough? <laughs> yeah. What are you looking forward to in the near future? Going to go to Connecticut. I'm excited about that. Um, haven't seen my, well, I've seen my friend in person recently, but it'll be nice to see him again. Um, I think, like, just in general, though, I'm excited for this warm weather because I just want to get out onto the trails at this point. I want to go to the beach so bad. I want to go to the beach, too. Holy shit. I'm so excited for it to start warming up, and I just, I just, I don't even need to swim the first couple days. Like, I just want to hang out. 
Yeah. Like just want yeah, be in the out of doors where was, it's nice. Don't run into any brown tail moths. I was listening to the wind yesterday, uh, last night because it's it was so nice out and it, and the wind was just ripping and I was just imagining being on the shore, like with the crash of the waves, mm. seeing the moon reflected on the water surface. I was just like, I want to be there right now. Like, anyway, we're excited. We're excited. It's warming up. A little spring in our step. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes, it is like in here in Maine, it is officially spring has sprung. Yeah. Spring sprung. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, this. we're also looking forward to, I am looking forward to Allegra's, you know, kind of starting to get plants together to do the garden. Yes. So that's exciting to finally see that come to fruition this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm excited to, excited to help her out with that. Um, yeah. I think she still wants my help, right? Yeah, she's pretty much like getting everybody. She's like, Great. everybody, manpower, go, go. Go, go, go. <laughs> go, go, go. And I'm like, I will sit inside and make people food. <laughs> Sounds good. Good. good decision. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. And then once we get the garden done, Allegra may or may not let me put together a um a league standard axe throwing target oh you should it wouldn't take much no i, I mean think... get, like i want it to be i want it to be standard to the world axe throwing league because mm. I, that is my eventual plan is i want to be part of it you should you part should join up the, that world. <laughs> should join up that axe pit uh workshop they do yeah so but they so they you can get a kit to set like to set up and it has like stencils so that way you can make it that way but yeah i want to set that up it, it really wouldn't take much and then I can finally buy myself an axe. <laughs> so that is the thing. Is she's like, once we get that done, then we can figure out if there's space for your axe target. And I'm like... <laughs> Might be a basement project. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because I was like, I could do it in the garage. And she's like, bitch, no. <laughs> <laughs> we need that garage. <laughs> so, yeah. That's sort of, yeah, spring is here finally, and the winter wasn't that bad, honestly. It was very mild. I mean, I didn't really have any issues, um, but I also had the luxury of having a job where I could just be like, hey, I'm going to stay home because yeah. ice. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is the good, that is like the nice thing is when you have the opportunity to work from home. Yeah. Otherwise, like. But it wasn't too many bad days. Overall. So many days of just like trying to get out of this fucking, getting out of this fucking driveway and then getting back in. There was one time I got stuck in a legger and I had to dig dig me out. Oh my god, yeah. It was fun times. Fun times. I hate it. <laughs> so glad it's over. But yeah, it you know I'm very I. It's a little bit. It's still a little bit off, but I am very excited for summer. Mm -hmm. Again, just beach. I love. That. I don't know if you could tell based on my uh, my uh, nostalgia trip from two weeks ago, which will be two weeks ago when you listen to this. Um, I love the beach. <laughs> no one can blame you. The beach is where it's at. Just yeah. no no tourists. <laughs> No tourists. Well, speaking of speaking of tourists, they kind of are. Yeah. So today I am going to be telling you a very 
interesting story, which actually also sort of links a little bit to my Old Orchard Beach episode. This also kind of links to, um, well, how you're starting this. This is going to link to the, because uh, on this flight, this is where he saw the um, cult house. Lindbergh. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I shall begin. The year is 1927, and Charles Lindbergh is about to make his solo transatlantic flight. Like Jackson said, he sees the cult house on this flight. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that must be the capital. Nope. Nope. It's where children get whipped. Yes. Planes have been around for roughly 24 years at this point, but they are not terribly common. Most people see them as flying death traps, and many travelers still choose to stick to trains and boats. I don't think that they thought they were going to get very far. You know, they're just... This plane thing will never ah, take off. Literally. <laughs> Lindbergh is going to change all of that. Because once he finally makes... Once he lands this flight, people are like, this is this this could be something. He just went across the Atlantic Ocean, bruh. Bruh. This could be something. He's figured it out. Yeah, and so he is actually not the only one who is trying to make this flight there are actually two men who wanted to beat good old charlie to the punch you see there was a twenty-five thousand dollar prize which in 2020 bucks would be three hundred and seventy-three thousand dollars with that kind of money you could almost buy a house in portland yes <laughs> this prize was being offered by new york hotel mogul raymond ortigue to the first Allied pilot who could make a nonstop flight between New York and Paris. It didn't matter which way you were going, you just had to take off in one city and land in the other. Hot damn, hot damn. A lot of people, most most pilots were trying to go from New York to Paris. Mm -hmm. East to west. No, west to east. Yes, I can, I can, I can do this. So... Many people failed at this. Mm -hmm. It was it's a very difficult flight, especially nonstop, including the fact that like your fuel may not make it across the ocean. Right, yeah. That's a problem. Just a bit of that. <laughs> so many have tried and many have failed. But Monsieurs Charles Nungasser and Francois Colli were ready to make that money theirs by attempting what many had thought was too difficult, making the flight from Paris to new york <gasps> who were these men these, daring people these going, daring people they're going against the grain so charles nungasser was a renowned ace pilot and he's often named as a rival to charles Lindbergh. he was the third highest ranked pilot in france and he had over 43 air combat victories from world war one under his belt hot damn this guy's hot shit yes his co-pilot is francois Colli. He was a former merchant captain, and he also fought in World War I as a pirate in the front pirate. Private <laughs> <laughs> hmm. as a private in the French Navy, which it's actually kind of sad. So he's already a captain. Yeah. And they're like, we don't need captains, we need privates. <laughs> so they make him enlist as a private. You dicks. <laughs> but he does eventually get promoted to captain in the summer of 1915. I would just be so mad. <laughs> right? I'd be like, Ugh. 
I know more than my own captain. Come yeah, on. Yeah, so eventually he is injured and declared unfit for infantry service, and he is transferred to the French Air Service. He gains his pilot's brevet, and he becomes a captain in the Air Service in 1917. He loses an eye in a crash in March of 1918. He has Ooh. an eye patch in most of the photos that are that circulate of him and uh, Charles. He looks so he's, pretty badass. He's a, he's a badass. He's a badass dude. <laughs> yes. Flying a plane with one eye. You can see where this probably is going. <laughs> he made numerous record-setting flights yeah. in the past, and he actually had planned to do this flight a separate time, but it that one didn't work. So he was like, I'm going to take my experience from the first time trying to make this transatlantic flight and we're gonna make it this time these two seasoned pilots were ready to smash Lindbergh and honestly they should have I told you I really don't like Charles Lindbergh <laughs> <laughs> he is a piece of shit I don't care what anyone says so they are making this trip and they are the perfect team to win that Ortigue prize so the two saddle up their Levasseur PL-8 biplane. Which is their first mistake, because planes don't need saddles. <laughs> so their plane is called L'Oiseau Blanc, the White Bird, and it took off from an airport outside of Paris on May 8th, 1927. Their plan, they're going to cross the Atlantic, land in New York Harbor on the 9th. And they were days ahead of Lindbergh, who wouldn't even be taking off until around May 20th, because he eventually lands on the 21st. Uh, mm. Everything looked good until it wasn't. <laughs> That's usually how it goes, yeah. <laughs> the pair was sighted over uh, Etrat, which is a coastal city in France bordering the Ingr Eng English Channel. And they had only made it 108 nautical miles from their takeoff location mm -hmm. by the time that they were spotted. So that's like how far it is. And it had, they'd only been in the air for over an hour and a half. Mm, but that okay. was, they were behind schedule at that point. The immediate schedule of within 100 miles here. Like... Yeah, they should have made it farther. Okay. Within that hour and a half. Okay, yeah. According to Sylvia Wrigley of Fear of Landing, this was the point where the pair had decided if things didn't look good, they were going to turn back and they were going to start from scratch. Right. But they continued. There is a man who, the man who spotted the plane, the first, or one of the first people, because there are a couple other eyewitnesses in this area. They're like, yeah, we saw a plane. Mm -hmm. So... He spots the plane, and he notes that it's low-flying and jolting. Oh, no. <laughs> he was fairly certain that the plane he saw was uh, L'Oiseau Blanc. Because, hmm. like I said, planes are not common at this point in time. Right, yeah. And everybody knew that these two guys were making this flight, so this must be them. Mm-hmm. After that, nobody heard from the pair ever again. They vanished mm. like smoke in the sky. Jolting's probably common when you're flying a plane at this time, though, you know? Yeah, and it's a biplane. So, yeah. Like, when I think of biplanes, I think that that's sort of what they use nowadays to do tourist things. Mm -hmm. 
they are like biplane rides. They have them in Brunswick, actually. Oh, cool. So that's sort of what I think of. So I, I am not an airplane expert, but, <laughs> you know, there'd be turbulence. There'd be turbulence. That's what all I'm trying to get at, too. No need for nervousness. It's just a bit of turbulence. <laughs> Do you know what song that's from? No, I don't know. Is it's... that from Toxic? Nope, it's Cobra, <laughs> Cobra Starship Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> I love Cobra Starship, okay? Cobra Starship is is fucking good. <laughs> so the pair still hadn't landed by May 10th. It was believed that the pair must have they must have met with a terrible fate. They did not make like they have met with a terrible fate. Haven't you? <laughs> you know, they're like they're going over the ocean. Like, where the fuck are they? <laughs> Search crews were dispatched by the 12th. And they didn't find anything. Like, mm-hmm. this is in France. Yeah. So, in France, they dispatch search crews around the English Channel. Nobody finds anything. There's at least one eyewitness that does say that they claim to see a plane over Ireland six hours after the pair took off. Because, and this sort of... There are a lot of people who believe that they crashed in the English Channel. Mm-hmm. But if we're to look at this, these there are some other sightings that it's like, okay, was this L'Oiseau Blanc? Did they make it over UK and Ireland? Because mm-hmm. if they hit Ireland, they obviously didn't crash in the Channel. Right, yeah. Like if that was evident, then they're fine. Yeah. So there's no way to verify the testimonies because people, because people, because people. Know. One of them also was an eight-year-old boy, <laughs> so the, you not know, a very credible witness. Yeah, but it's a lot of this. Also, a lot of these testimonies hinge on the fact that well, there weren't a lot of planes being used at this time, so it's so it's up in the air. According to Wrigley, <laughs> it's up in the air. Wow, this it's is not great. up in the air. It's in the ground. <laughs> oh no! According to Wrigley, it appears unlikely that the pair made it across the Atlantic, or did they? Because here's the thing: Sylvia Wrigley appears. She's written books on planes, but she's also eight years old. She's not eight years old, so it's very unreliable. But she very, she very much was in in this article that I was reading on her blog. She was saying, like, it's very unlikely that they, you know, she was going over all the possibilities. And she seemed to be very confident that, like, they did not make it across the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Or at least they didn't make it as far as people may think that he did. According to the Island Institute, there were sightings reported in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and the Bay of Fundy of an airplane going overhead by May 9th. Okay, okay. That's a lot of witnesses right there. Yes. Also, if you're wondering, hey, B, isn't this podcast Maine-based? You know, I'm very glad you asked this question, Jess. Because they actually took off from Paris, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. You see, by the afternoon of the 9th, after these recorded, sight- these recorded sightings in Canada... Mm-hmm. 
farmer Harold Vining was out in his blueberry field. Of course he was. Working. Was he drinking a, a, an Allen's? <laughs> While riding his snowmobile? This is, <laughs> this is before Punching a moose? <laughs> is he time traveler to get that snowmobile? No, they're just native to Maine. Mm, snowmobiles are coming in nice this time of year. What am I talking about? Are you good? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> that is the funniest thing. <laughs> we grow snowmobiles. <sighs> so Harold Vining is out in his blueberry field. He's working and he hears the rumble of an airplane in the sky. An airplane? At this time of year? Why, airplanes are not common. He's unable to see this, the contraption, and the rumble slowly fades away because also he's These not able These notes have not common in big capitals. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> Again, by the time I was writing this, I had two shark bowls in me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that you wrote these notes after drinking. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. My notes are a lot more like- A lot of whimsy to these a notes. A lot of whimsy to these notes this time. So it was a very cloudy day, so he hears it. I assume that it's not going to, if you're hearing an airplane, it's not going to be anything else. Mm -hmm. You can't mistake it for anything else. So that's just one person, an ear witness, if you will. How can we be so sure that this is the Loiseau Blanc? Well, there's also a young couple driving down the road that see it. And a woman who hears a plane fly over her house. And a father and his 17-year-old son hear it. And the 17-year-old son said it sounded like an old-fashioned cream separator floating through the sky. <laughs> His words, not mine. <laughs> what the fuck's a cream separator? <laughs> and then there's Anson Barry, who heard it rumble over his canoe on Round Lake near Charlotte, Maine. And then he heard an unmistakable, and those are the words they used, unmistakable crash in the hills. Oh, hot thumb. So, hot thumb. We have seven ear witnesses to something uncommon right around when the Loiseau Blanc was attempting its course to New York. It is unclear if this really is the final resting place of uh, Nungunser and Coley, but over the years, hunters have claimed to see wreckage in the hills over the lake, some saying that they even saw an engine. Ooh. I... This is very interesting to me because, again, this is, like, it is not, planes are not common. <laughs> and we're also not in wartime. Yeah. So there wouldn't just be, like, planes they flying probably, around. Yeah, no, I mean, some of these people probably just thought they saw a large albatross. <laughs> it's interesting. So the other thing that I think, for me, does it is, it, it, it's hard to imagine a world in which there are no planes overhead at any given time. That'd be nice. It'd be awesome. Just quiet. Yeah, so good. Especially since we live so close to the Jevor. <laughs> <laughs> Always coming in. So that's something that I don't know if a lot of, like, people mention it's uncommon, but there's some, I, I, I have to reframe it constantly when I'm thinking about it because it's like, Oh, well, there isn't just going to be just... That's not the only plane that's being flown right now. And it's right. like, okay, but it might be. 
It might actually be. <laughs> because most people who were trying to do this flight, they were they, they were publicized. Mm-hmm. So there wouldn't just be somebody who was just like sneaking around on their plane trying to make this, you know. Right. And this is around the, they would be in this area at this time. So it, it's hard to say. Some, so as I, I just keep saying, it's not common, not common. It is very rare. And I think it would be very convenient if it's another plane. It isn't very common to see a plane crash into the hills. That's true. So later, much later, Arthur Dolan of Princeton, Maine, spent a good portion of his later life trying to prove that the Loiseau Blanc had indeed crashed between Round and Medi Bumps Lakes that day in May. Mm, okay. He goes hunting, because he used to live in Massachusetts, so he and his friend Al Stevens, they come up from Massachusetts to go hunting up in this area in 1958, and Dolan allegedly found what he recognized to be debris from a plane. He was a licensed pilot, Mm. and he was convinced of what he saw, and this is is what he claims was in the woods that day, up on the hills. In the center of the trees, we saw the remains of an airplane. There were no wings, wheels, cockpit, or fuselage. What remained of the framing were two large beams running parallel to each other, about uh, four feet apart. These beams were slanted and seemed to be connected to an engine. The engine was clearly visible and was about four feet in the air, supported by the frame resting on the dead trees and brush, slanted upwards. I'd say that's a plane then. Yeah. So he sees this, and I believe he mentions it to some people, but they nobody ever really goes to search it. In 1988, once he, has, he moved from Massachusetts to Maine, Dolan hears the story of the Loiseau Blanc for the first time, and he's like, holy shit, is that what I found? (laughs) Bruh. (laughs) Holy shit. And he and his friend who was there, Al, they they try to find, they try to go back to where they were, but 30 years has elapsed. Yeah. And the dirt road that they took is no longer, it's, it's, overgrown they can't figure out where it is and they do some searching and they they can't find the road they can't figure out the exact location but they're looking through the area and at some point dolan becomes convinced that the engine specifically or maybe most of the plane has been moved he believes that yes interesting so he believes that someone took it took it so or okay he this article also mentioned that he thought that it may this was the island institute that it may have been cleaned up and hidden in maryland i don't know about that but he is convinced that what he saw is probably the luazo blanc i would imagine what what to what end why would somebody like clean it up and then move it so here's the thing yeah the engine is one of a kind. Hmm, okay. 
And I'll get to that and just put a pin in that for a moment. I just want to say, like, I like the idea of somebody moving it and it being, like, a local farmer. And, like, they're they're just looking around and they're they're trying to turn, trying to find this dirt road. They come onto a farm and they just see a farmer with a tractor with a (laughs) biplane propeller attached to it. Hey, uh, where'd you get that? Nowhere. (laughs) And Dolan did. He went and he asked locals in the area that had private property that extended out into the woods and into the hills he actually did get permission to search in a lot of those areas so uh did you steal an engine <laughs> steal this engine eventually stevens ends up passing away while they are just sort of reinvigorating this search around the 80s mm-hmm. and and it's really unfortunate because Dolan is never really able to convince anybody else of what he saw. In 2017, he died while living at the Maine Veterans Home in Bangor, and he was disappointed to his dying day that he was never able to prove that Nunganser and Coley had actually made it to North America. Mm. He was convinced mm. that if he could prove that this was Louis Blanc, that th- it would put an end to the speculation, and they yeah. could at least say, they made it. Yeah. They made it across the Atlantic. Yeah. That being said, many searches have also been conducted in Canada and in the U.S. over the years by the International Group for Historic Aircrafts, TGAR, the National Underwater Marine Associations, and a lot of other private groups, including somebody who wanted that one-of-a-kind engine and offered five grand for it if anybody could produce it. So, I don't know how... Five grand seems low. It does seem low. I don't know, though. (laughs) I like this acronym. TGAR and then... uh, TGAR. NUMA. Yeah. (laughs) According to the BBC, in 2017, which was the same year Dolan died, actually, France did recognize the pair as having been the first complete transatlantic flight... By updating the memorial in there, there's a memorial in Paris, and they update it. And this is what the BBC says, because I think this is hilarious. <laughs> Officials in Paris insist they are not trying to undermine Lindbergh's achievement by updating signs in the city that previously stated the pair disappeared while crossing the North Atlantic <laughs> in 1927 to stating unambiguously that they crossed the Atlantic on the 8th and 9th of May. We're totally undermining you. <laughs> Which is good. I, I can't. Lindbergh can suck eggs. I, 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 I feel the sentiment, but you gotta have definitive proof. But I think there's a strong case for it. Yeah, there is. Like, especially since we have the case, the case that they at least possibly made it to Canada. Yes. There's witnesses there, so like that, yeah. North America, they made it. Yeah, did they make it to Maine specifically? So, the question remains, did the pair make it across the Atlantic? I think so. Yeah, why not? Did they crash in Maine? Maybe one day we'll know, but today the whereabouts of Nungasur and Coley's final resting place remains. Nope, you can't say it. I feel like it's trademarked. It is undiscovered. (laughs) Unknown. Now that we put that unsolved. <laughs> we just, I feel I the wrath of a thousand lawyers I asked Allegra last night. I was like, uh, do you think BuzzFeed will come sue me? Maybe. <laughs> Please don't. So that is the tale of the Razo Blanc. 
I loved this. This was a nice change of place, and it was a very nice uh, little addition to to what we kind of talk about, especially after a big say, sad like, episode. Uh, we could talk about why I hate Charles Lindbergh. <laughs> <laughs> why do you hate Charles Lindbergh? Do you Lindbergh? know why? Do you have an inkling as to why I hate Charles Lindbergh? Because he was a wife beater? Nope. Okay. What was, uh, what's his big So here's, big so, uh, do you want the alleged part first or do you want the actual known part first? Give me the known part and then follow up with the alleged. So you had ma- mentioned in the Old Orchard fire episode that he was like a sailor coming into port it is Uh, not a secret that he across europe oh yeah had many many children illegitimate children do you know why do you know why yes because he's a horn dog no why did he do it so he eventually moves to germany Uh he is a huge proponent of eugenics Oh, right. There's the and, eugenics thing. Yeah, I remember and he this now. is, you know, the perfect Aryan. <laughs> so he did his best to spread his Aryan genes as far and wide as he could. Fuck Charles Lindbergh. What a loser. The second part is, you must know the story about the Lindbergh baby. Yeah, I've heard about that. There are many theories. One of them, which is kind of convincing based on some evidence about, like, how the fuck. Like, nothing makes sense that this was, like, an outside person. Um, so there's evidence that Charles Lindbergh's baby was, had disabilities. Oh. And he didn't like that. Well, knowing his obsession later on in life with eugenics, a lot of people are like, that's interesting that you're, baby disappeared from a place that people mm-hmm. that's an outsider probably can't get to so a lot of people do it's like is it an inside job was it somebody who it could be you know just somebody that was like i could get some ransom and then the baby yeah. accidentally died yeah but there are some people who are like it's very interesting it's interest there's some there are some things that raise some flags that are like Maybe he was in on it, or maybe he didn't really care as much as he thought that, like, people played it out to be. It's still a fucking tragedy. Yeah. But also, Charles Lindbergh can suck a lot of eggs. (laughs) Yes, he can. Because, yeah, I'm not going to cover the Lindbergh baby, uh, but there are some really great episodes about it on other podcasts. I highly recommend, like, digging into it if you're interested in that sort of, like, lots of speculation, but a lot of, like, well documented well thought out out evidence about what the fuck was going on yeah what a weird dude very weird dude and it's it's interesting because he also before he makes this solo flight he's kind of a relative unknown and then like this catapults him into celebrity overnight of course yeah literally overnight and he yeah he also uh the one that he has the baby with she is all she was also the sister of one of the most wealthy heiresses in the United States. <laughs> so, you know, she was a socialite and he was this, you know, this hero, this superstar. But yeah, and then apparently he just was not a good husband. No, it doesn't sound like it. But also he's not a good person. No. So now you know. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> so yeah, that is Loiseau Blanc. Don't know, now you know. And if uh, you don't know. Now you know. 
And yeah, so it, this was really, really interesting. There are a lot of people who are still looking for it. There's like this project called like the Midnight Ghost. The Midnight Ghost. Yeah. Cool. So like the, one of the articles I used was from the Boston Magazine called "Chasing the Midnight Ghost." Sylvia mm-hmm. Wrigley mentions it on her blog. But there are, if you're interested, there are ways to go and try and like be involved in trying to like find this. I also found this from a Ranker article. A what? A Ranker. What's a Ranker? You've never used Ranker? No, I've never used Ranker. So it's a website. And so it's basically like listicles, but the difference. Uh, I saw this. Yeah, the difference between Ranker and other listicles is you can actually um, vote vote it up or vote it down. To see like what people are finding interesting. Yes. Gotcha. Interesting. But it can also be, this one doesn't have it, but like, for example, like they could take, they could take each of the cases and vote them up or vote them down. People do it with movies. There's like a, there's a, I often will use a list of like Stephen King movies. It's like scariest Stephen King movies and people can, it's constantly changing whether people are like, oh, I think this one's scarier. And then someone might be like, oh no, I think this one's scary. So it's constantly changing. Gotcha. But it's really interesting to see Maine on some of these things. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, the story was interesting. I, I thought it was cool to have a touch point in Maine. It's not specifically centered on No, Maine. but they, the fact that, like, it would be so fascinating if we could find it someday. I don't but think we will. I don't think so either because <laughs> it is very possible that it's just sort of, like, deteriorate. I mean, how many? It was I think it's totally possible that it was, Decades like, ago now. Decades. It's and probably... If they haven't found it... It is possible someone just sold it. Yeah, they found it. They took it. I mean, because if they found it, and yeah. it does say that there are other hunters who have seen it, they're not the only ones. But he's just the only one who, like, kind of put the pieces together. Like, this could be the Oiseau Blanc. followed up on it, yeah. And continued to follow up on it. And he also was a pilot. So unlike other hunters, he had a lot. He, he, he could definitively there. be like, this is a plane. Yeah, it's like this frame fits what I'm see- looking at in these pictures. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. 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 Well, when you're like out in the woods and all that, sometimes you run into fungi, mushies. And that means we're going to talk about a mainism. Hey, hey, it's a mainism. <laughs> so, specifically, um,. You would actually mention this. I was I looking did. up fun things that were going to be happening since the weather is warming up. Um, and you said Allegra was talking about the main fungi fest, which is going to be next month on May, May 14th, 14th. At the Portland Expo. At the Portland Expo. It's all about, like, there's a huge main, uh, you know, mycology, yes. like, culture. Haha, <laughs> out here. <laughs> you see what I did there? I love it. There's a big, big group. There's a lot of people that are very interested in mycology in Maine specifically. Just because you do get a lot of interesting fungi growth out here. Yeah, There's so of, many woods. One of those people is my wife. The other yes. thing is, so the other thing that's really fascinating about fungi is scientifically they have proved that mushrooms have memory. And they have feelings, <laughs> and they also communicate with each other. Yeah, a lot of yeah. plants do communicate with each other. Plants do but, communicate, yeah. but specifically fungi have memory. That's 
Crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, uh, Allegra was listening to a, a really interesting podcast with this person named uh, Amanita Dreamer. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, talking about the use of Amanita muscaria, which is the red cap mushroom that that's like the traditional like mushroom that people yeah, like yeah. you see in cartoons and stuff. They're fascinating. But I think I mentioned in the last episode, Allegra's microdosing mm-hmm. with some mushies. We've also gotten you guys is use lion's mane or cordyceps. Which one? Both. Um, I currently use a five blend of different mushrooms and it's cordyceps, lion's mane, turkey tail, and two others. Reishi and yep. then one other. Um, and yeah, they're really great. I take uh, I take mine every day, uh, every morning with when I'm having my coffee, I'll just take a tincture. And I think it's been very good for my focus. I definitely think it's working, um, but it's been good for focus. It's been good for just, you know, endurance, activity, um, staying on task and everything like that. And I also heard that it was pretty good for like nerve growth. So it could, there's a lot of interesting applications with these different fungi that you can apply. Also just in general, a good practice from what I've heard for keeping your brain healthy. Absolutely. And there are also other mushrooms, like a good example is um, oyster mushrooms. Yes. And shiitake mushrooms are both Mm. very good for cholesterol. Yes. Mushrooms are in general very, very good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mushroom medicine is amazing. So we're, but we're, Allegra and I are planning on going, I assume that you and Emily might go to the fungi fest. I'm super down for this. Actually, um, that's going to be like one of the shittiest weeks. (laughs) But 15th. I could do it. That's a Sunday. Totally going to do that. Or 14th. Yeah. Saturday, even better. I can totally do that. Yeah. yeah they're going to be, spe- there's, you know, speakers. There are going to be vendors, um, workshops, things like that. And like you said, there's a huge mycology community. Allegra mm-hmm. and our friend Anna have done mushroom walks. Yeah. And it's, it's. It's fascinating. Mushrooms are fascinating. I'm actually going to end up meeting some other people that that do the mushroom walks at some point uh, related to my work. Uh, but I'm going to meet some of those people up. And I'm also going to hopefully meet um, somebody involved with the Mycology Association up here. That's so cool. I know. It's going to be really fun. But it's such a fascinating group of people. My favorite mushroom that we have here <laughs> is called Ghost Pipe. What? Ooh. <laughs> they're clear they're, they're clear very small clear are you gonna look it up i'm gonna yeah. yeah it allegra found some ghost pipe for me on the mushroom walk just oh to, you did yeah. oh my goodness oh you whoa aren't they cool they're so weird they're so weird yeah they spring right out of the ground they're totally pale and they they just kind of drape they almost look like a wilted flower mm-hmm you know, they kind of look like they have bells on the end of them. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Another one Allegra was telling me about yesterday, it's called a Scarlet Elf Cup. A or Scarlet... Elven Cup. Look Scarlet that up. Scarlet Elven Cup. All right. Jackson's just going to describe all of these. Elf Cup. Oh, it's beautiful. I've seen these, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just like, it just looks like a red basin. Yeah. Springing out of the ground. It's very cute. They're, it's so, yeah. So, highly recommend if you're not into, like, if you haven't looked into, because I think a, mushrooms do get a bad rep because people are like, haha, shrooms. 
like no. magic mushrooms, but like literally they are so magical and they're so cool. And we have a wealth of them in Maine. Yeah. No, they're not Maine specific, but yeah, Maine is a hub it's a good, for mycology. It's a good location for it just because of a lot of the woods in the area, mm-hmm. vast woods. And like, it's also good climate for mushrooms in general. So yes. they'll spring up quite a bit pretty soon. Probably already a good time to go looking now as we're getting into end of April. Exactly. Yes, yeah. this is a great time. So if you are from Maine and you're in the area and you are interested in mushrooms, highly recommend going to the Maine Fungi Festival. Yep. Or if you're not from Maine, look into your local mycology and sort of get to, I always recommend getting to know the, wor- the world around you and like learning about na- the nature and ecosystem of your home. I think it's really cool. I'm very interested in that sort of thing. And as Black Forager says on Instagram, be safe, don't die. <laughs> and she's actually come to Maine. She does come to Maine. She yeah. actually loves coming up to Maine. Yeah, she we said, love, like, it's an awesome experience. We love her. She's amazing. She's hilarious. Check her out on Instagram. Um, she's also on TikTok. And TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was it. Yeah. So, Maine Fungi Festival. Yep. Fun show. So, eat your mushrooms. Eat your and, mushrooms. Um, don't fly a plane with one eye. <laughs> Know your destinations. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. You can reach out to us on our Twitter at HGHpod or on our Instagram at Homegrown Horror Pod. We hope to see you again soon. Bye.